0: Welcome to those of you that are listening to the podcast for the very first time. You know, when it comes to UX design tools, which one do you think is the best? And maybe which one do you like the best? Uh, Sometimes uh, some people see that as two separate questions. I want to spend some time today. Um, The goal is to cover this in one episode, just taking the time to demystify ux design tools let's address this today from a a critical thinking perspective from a holistic perspective in a way that will help give some folks food for thought so that we can apply the right level of value or, or ascribe i should say the right level of value when it comes to ux design tools now i'm gonna bust bubbles up front, uh, that's what we do. <laughs> so, I'm going to bust bubbles up front. And the first thing I want to say is that UX tools are overrated. They're overrated. Do they help us to get the job done? Yes. Are they a necessity? Yes. But a lot of people tend to think of them in ways that are not really applicable. They are a means to an end, but. Um, I saw recently there was a post on social media where someone talked about using UX design tools to generate trust. With the exception of the collaborative element associated with UX design tools, you're not going to get a whole lot of trust, not really when it comes to the tool itself. There there is no trust built into the tool. Trying to build trust with clients, with stakeholders, among team members. That's going to happen with the application of your soft skills. That's going to happen when it comes to the emotional intelligence that's that's a part of the work and the way that you do the work. It's not the tool. It's the person behind the tool that helps to generate uh, trust. So when I say that UX tools are overrated, it's that type of element that I'm speaking to. And you're going to see another aspect of it as we go through the coverage of the topic today. Now, before we get into the meat of today's presentation, I want to sort of address the fact that I'm not going to be talking about what I feel to be the best. I have preferences, but my preferences are irrelevant and so are yours because preferences are about what someone has found to be useful when it comes to. To doing their job but when we talk about comparison and when we talk about what's the best and things of that nature to truly identify the best tool we have to really engage in such a level of objectivity that it helps to Put tools side by side and evaluate them based on the same exact components from A to Z, the same exact features, the same exact approaches. So instead of talking about what the best tool is, because it's going to vary, I mean, you can't you can't really say that what's best for you is best for everyone because everybody's not doing the same exact job. Everybody's organization doesn't have the same UX maturity level. Uh, everybody doesn't have the same level of skill. Um, so, you know, learning curves, things of that nature. So we have a lot of things that come to play. I want to, I want to talk about the different tools that are out there. I just want to mention them. I want to let folks understand or help people to understand how broad of a landscape it is. And the list that I'm going to present is not all inclusive. There are new tools coming out all the time. Uh, there there are tools that are being sort of circumvented or overrun, replaced. There's all types of things taking place. Uh, and, but people still choose to have all of these, really what boils down to a, uh, the equivalent of an argument. And arguing, that, that's really a waste of everybody's time and energy. Take a look at things. I'm going to invite you to do that up front. Evaluate tools. When you find out about a new tool, check it out. See if it's something that will fit into your wheelhouse. Uh, in some instances, it's not going to matter because some organizations approve of a particular tool. It's gone through the security gyrations to make sure that it's okay with their internal security protocols. Um, it's already been paid for. You know, so a lot of times these these discussions don't go anywhere. You you can look at them from your perspective, but you're not going to be able to bring it into your organization. So we want to keep all of these types of things in mind. But remember, what you think is best and what I think is best, that's your opinion at the time, and it's within that setting, but truth be told, it's irrelevant. So we just want to demystify this whole thing. We want to break it down, help everybody to reach a a common um, objective mindset towards this topic, and then I'll have a couple things I want to share at the end. So before I get started uh, into the depth, let, let's, let's finish laying the foundation here today. And I want to share a quote, and I, I got this quote from the New York Institute of Photography, but it is applicable. What they said is applicable to what we're talking about today, especially when it comes to talking about and looking at tools. And they said, no matter what tool is the most popular in a given time period, and they're talking about cameras when they say this, knowing the basic tenets, T E N E T S, folks, not tenants. Some people have a tendency to say that. Matter of fact, they even said tenants. And I had to change it. It's tenants, T E N E T S. Knowing the basic tenets of composition, light, color, exposure, and editing will lead to consistently superior results for the photographer. Now, just as that applies to the photographer, for those of you that are not familiar with photography, yeah, I know a bunch of people are taking out their cell phone and they're taking a picture. Everybody can take a picture. It sort of reminds me of UX sometimes. Everybody can grab a tool and run off and do something. But you know what? This is another reason that I say that tools are overrated. It's not about the tools. It's about the tenets. In photography, it's composition, how you formulate a picture, how you choose to shoot it, the angles and things of that nature, making sure to have something in focus, something out of focus. The light is a big part of photography. The colors that come into play, exposure, what exposure you choose to shoot at, and how you edit the photo after the fact. These things are all major contributing factors to getting and obtaining superior results when it comes to doing photography in UX, it's the same thing in that we're looking at usability and heuristics. So what I call the, the four pillars information architecture and all of the, all the sub elements associated with each UX research and interaction and interface design. If a person has a tool but doesn't have any understanding of those pillars you're not going to be able to consistently achieve superior results. Matter of fact, you're not going to be able to to achieve superior results at all. You can design something, but you won't be able to design the thing that works based on the goal and the design problem that you're solving. So it's not about the tools, folks. The tools are something you use. A handyman without a toolbox is not going to get a lot done. But as soon as you give that handyman a toolbox, now they can put their expertise to work. So same thing for us. So all those things said, let's make sure that we, we have the right mindset. And, and the last foundational statement that I want to present is this, that when people overemphasize UX tools, as we just talked about in the last series, we're engaging in aspects of misinformation. We're causing people to focus on elements associated with the discipline and ascribing too much value to them and now people are they're they're focused on the wrong thing and that's going to create problems for the overall quality so a lot of things uh, to 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 think about and come into play let's go over this list of tools before we get into the 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 real the 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 tools total meat of what we're getting at today so think about these old and new and a couple of them might not be even be in existence anymore i know one of them isn't for sure just in mind prototyper how familiar with you are you today with Just In Mind Prototyper, a, a lot of people are are not familiar with it. They don't even know that it ex- exists, but yeah, uh, it's out there. Uh, I actually created tutorials for it out on the O'Reilly website uh, some some years ago, uh, and they're still out there from what I understand, but Just In Mind. Balsamic. A lot of people are familiar with Balsamic, uh, and you'll you'll see that in a lot of organizations because they've been around for so long, uh, but that's another one. Uh, iRise. How many of you today are familiar with iRise? And this is one that has gone by the wayside, to my understanding. But it was one of the, oh my goodness, iRise was really starting to gain a a foothold with a lot of practitioners. But one of the problems with iRise is that the price point. Was way too high. It was, that's a bit problematic when you have to spend six figures to roll out a, a design solution, and when all these other ones came along at a much lower price point, then yeah, iRise sort of bit the dust. To my knowledge, they never came up with a a uh, an amenable price point that made it easy for people to onboard and to get uh, to implement in their organization. So but by the wayside. A lot of people, especially as visual designers started to get more involved in the UX world uh sketch came to the forefront a lot of people were using sketch a lot of people loved the interface had took the artboard kind of approach to the design process and and so people who were used to working in illustrator or tools like that for people who had that sketch really just uh, it helped to to make onboarding to that type of work a lot easier and then to to put the interactions and a lot of other components into it the 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 way that you could embed or, or uh, it, embed it with other applications or or use a different plugins yeah it 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 fit right in the wheelhouse so that was a good thing so yep sketch is another one of these tools next on the list is envision and a lot of people are Still using Envision, of course, today. Envision's popularity has continued to to increase, so a lot of us are familiar with that. Proto.io, proto.io, actually, that's the URL, and it's the name of the tool, and uh, that's another one. I know we've used it a lot at Kent State University in our program there when people are building interactive uh, prototypes, things of that nature. Um, proto is, is something that there's a, it's almost like there's a pocket of people that are familiar with it and are on board with it. But again, to some people never heard of it before UX pin that this one is one of my personal favorites because of its, I think ease of use and the speed in which you can engage in the work, not very extensible, but. It does really help to get the job done, and I, I love it. And I love page-based. Personally, I love page-based design efforts as opposed to the artboard, but probably because that's the world that I came from. So uh, it sort of speaks to that a little bit, sort of maybe a little bit of a bias associated with that. But UXPM is out there. You have Figma. Figma is probably the most popular of what, we'll, what we're calling the UX design tools today Uh, Figma is extremely extensible Uh, it really has a wonderfully fast workflow associated with it there's a huge community so a lot of great stuff going on With Figma, such as is the next one that's on the list here, Adobe XD. Uh, Adobe XD, uh, a lot of people are really starting to fall in love with it. It is still raw. I'm going to say that now. It's still raw. But if you already have the Adobe Creative Suite, then Adobe XD is free. So to add that into your workflow takes little to no effort. It's simply a matter of of tapping in and learning how to use it and getting it into your workflow and and move it from there. Very extensible, large community, things of that nature. Uh, Some of the misinformation, I am going to say this here, some of the misinformation in this world is, however, uh, tied into some of the players with this one because Adobe XD gets a lot of traction, not just because it's in the creative suite, but Adobe puts themselves out there as being like a voice, a leading voice in the community of UX. They're not, and, and and a lot of us, that's misinformation, folks, and a lot of people need to recognize that. You don't get to be a leader just because you have a big name. That doesn't automatically vault you to the top. The, the UX maturity level at that organization when it comes to them speaking on the topic and sharing on the topic. No, it, it's that's not it. And so they don't just get to go to the top because of that. It's okay to use it. Uh, I know I know companies that use it. I know people that use it. But make sure you apply critical thinking as you're evaluating sources and don't just take things at face value. Uh, that said, though, Adobe XD has its followership. Uh, it, it it is something that is definitely um, usable and doable. But uh, it's very, again, very extensible. And so I give them props for what they've been doing thus far with the app. This, I'm not going to give them more credit than they deserve. Um, here's one that I know very few people are going to be aware of at all. And this is more mostly a mobile design tool and resource. Adobe didn't stop with XD. They have something called Adobe Comp. If you've never heard of it, check it out. Adobe Comp is out there. It's something that's really, it, it's uh, available for iOS, it's available for Android, and it's something that's just used to put together interfaces. So if you're just in the process of just trying to illustrate an interface and get things done from that perspective, you might want to check out Adobe Comp, especially if you're working on your phone or if you're working on a tablet. Uh, that's something that's worth checking out and at least learning about. Marvel is out there. How many people are familiar With Marvel, this is something they, like some of the other apps, they have their own followership, uh, they have their own group of people that absolutely love it, and they wouldn't use anything else. And so, if you haven't heard of Marvel, check that out today. Framer X is another one. There's no shortage of tools, is there? Framer X is out there. Some people might want to check that out. Rapid UI and this is something that, from what I understand, is something that integrates well with Photoshop, that you can do designs in Photoshop, port them over to Rapid UI, similar to the way that InVision sort of got their start. That's the way that Envision used to be practically inseparable from the Adobe uh, suite of products. Well, Rapid UI is doing the same thing. Uh, the, the rest is we're just mentioning these, not a big uh, following with the rest of these, but they're worth mentioning. Just again, just to help everybody understand how broad this world is when it comes to tools: principle, atomic, flinto, origami, protopie, webflow, mockplus, Mach+ and mockflow. Folks, there are absolutely no shortage of tools out here today, and so when someone says which one is the best, if they have not really truly and objectively compared all of them, nobody can speak to that, and again, our needs shift so much that it makes it really, I mean, just find what works for you, you might change in six months, there's so much out there, and so much that people haven't even come into the knowledge of, and I didn't even list them all, there, there are other tools out there that I just didn't put on the list. I just thought of a couple. I'm not even going to bother to mention them. But uh, I think we've made the point. There's a lot of tools out there. Now, we talked about comparing. If you're trying to make a decision, and some of you very well may be trying to make a decision, you're trying which one of these is going to work the best for me, where well, you're going to have to use them, and and, and realistically speaking, when it comes to evaluating, and another reason why I say you really ought to be cool about trying to say which one is the best, you can say which one is the best for you uh, at this time, but that's pretty much it. Nobody is going to try each and every one of these tools and subject them to the same exact rigor. <laughs> you're you're going to pick out a few, and you're going to go from there. I mean, no, only a handful of people have time to go through uh, the paces which eat with each one of these. Uh, so, um, you know, and, and those people are outliers. And we know in UX, you're not supposed to pay too much attention or put too much weight on an outlier. So we want to keep that in mind today. But consider these comparison points as you are evaluating whichever tools. If there are three or four that you decided to try to evaluate those, I'm going to give you a list of comparison points And this is what helps to to look at something in an objective manner, applying proper levels of critical thinking. You're going to need these elements. Operating system compatibility. Some of these tools are only for Windows or they're only for Mac. Uh, So some of them you're either, you're not going to be able to, to use them. You're not going to be able to evaluate them no matter what. Uh, and it, when it comes to operating system compatibility, even if something is available on both, unless it's a browser-based tool where you can get the exact same functionality, um, even if it's available for both, it doesn't mean it's going to function uh, with equal stability or functionality on both. So so don't don't forget that. The speed of the workflow, the way in which you're able to engage... When it comes to speed, uh, there are definitely uh, different speed factors that come into play. Some of these applications, if you're trying to, say, put together a a complex interaction, it's much faster in some than in others. I've heard people, uh, Axure is, is one that, that I really didn't talk about it. No, I did mention Axure, or I, I think I skipped it. I think I went straight from iRise to Sketch. But Aksure is is something that really started to take over, when when iRise came into play, it was one of the first ones that really gained a lot of traction and actually gave you the ability to put together some extremely complex interactions, some wonderfully uh, 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 smooth and highly functional interactions. But I've heard people say that when you engage with these complex interactions, it might take you all day. So whereas in some other applications, creating the same complex interaction could be faster so you know take that into consideration so the speed of work and the workflows is another web-based operation as we mentioned can you work via the web can you work in your browser do you need to have access to us a, a, a desktop computer i mean there's a lot of things that come into play with the web-based workflow where if you're you're tied to the desktop such as with Acture, and you prefer something that gives you the flexibility to work on the web, you're going to lean away from Axure and you're going to look at something else. So keep that in mind. Next, we have extensibility. I mentioned that UXPin is not very extensible whereas something like Figma and some of the other tools uh, uh, Adobe XD, you can add all types of plugins, all types of additional functionality and you can make this this application do things or, or or help them to to function faster when it comes to performing certain tasks you can you can really speed that up by adding on or adding in some types of plugins or uh, things of that nature so some tools are extensible some tools are not so keep that in mind community some of these tools have phenomenal communities, large communities where you can share information. You can share tips. People can talk about some of the pitfalls they've had and how they've overcome them. Community has really turned into an extremely valuable component when it comes to which tool you decide to use. So keep that in mind. If you, if you know that community is something that will help drive you, to higher levels of functionality and success, then you wanna check out and see whether or not there is a community. Uh, it, this That could even tap into the learning resources. Uh, all of these pretty much are gonna have a channel on YouTube, so if you're trying to shorten the learning curve and get up to speed quickly, go to YouTube, find out. Is there a Marvel channel? Uh, is there a Mockflow channel? What can I do to help me to get up to, to speed quickly? as quickly as possible, and how regularly do they put out new videos. And it's not always just the, the, the people behind the application that create the videos. Sometimes, and this is why it tied into community, you'll have different communities, different people putting out tutorials, so keep that in mind as well. Stability of the application. Everybody uh, has designed an application, but that doesn't mean that they all are stability. Are they going to crash a lot? Are they gonna function well? Are they going to be dependable? Uh, I I remember working in certain applications, had nothing to do with these, Uh, it was really Visio years ago. I came in to work one day and I started, I came in like at 6 a.m. and started working on some designs because I wanted to get ready for a client meeting and I finished everything by 12 noon and at 12.05 it crashed. If I had not already exported that to a PDF, my work would have been shot. And so I'm a big proponent. I want to know how stable. I want to be able to depend upon this program. If they crash a lot, you're going to fall out with that program pretty quick. So for that reason, you want to check and find out what people are saying about the stability of an application and and factor that into your decision-making process collaboration we talked about that a little bit already so i'll move on the generation of realistic experiences such as interactive forms voice interactions the ability to put that into your prototypes it is uh, is are these features available because a lot of the popular tools they're not you cannot create an interactive form where people can enter data in something like a Figma or Adobe XD, some of the more popular tools today, but whereas in Axure and UXPen, you can. So, so keep that in mind, that some tools, they say they're prototyping tools, but technically they're not because you can't perform things like that. So keep that in mind. Can you build, as we mentioned, complex interactions? And how easily can you build? those complex interactions, so keep that in mind. And then lastly, and this comes into play with some, can you build animations into your prototypes? Take a look at whether or not you can create animations, take a look at how quickly, how easily, see if the learning curve is high, see how realistic, what what is the, the finished product, how realistic will it look? Because when it comes to using all these tools, and creating prototypes, you would love to be able to have a prototype that you could potentially use in usability testing. If you're just building something to show it to someone, your need won't be as great. But everybody is not at that level. Some people need to go beyond that. So take all these things into consideration. This will help you when it comes to understanding the value of UX design tools, and it will help you when it comes down to making a decision. But again, remember, as we close, a tool will never compensate for or fill gaps associated with someone's UX acumen. The greatest design tool is always the human mind. It's, it's not, you say, oh, I really love Aksher. Oh, I really love Marvel. Well, yeah, but if you don't have the mind behind it, does it really matter? I mean, the software is just sitting there. It's not It's not going to do anything on its own. So if the mind is lacking, none of these tools are, are going to make up for that. So we need to be aware of that today. And then the last note, it's interesting that I found that when it comes to some UX jobs out there, I have seen job postings where people will say, you've got to know sketch. This is an absolute must. And they'll put it in bold letters. Folks, Hiring should never be done based on the knowledge that someone has of a particular tool. When there's another twenty or thirty tools that are just like it, when someone knows one tool, they can easily learn another one. So you want to keep that in mind. Never make that part of the scrutiny in your in your hiring process. It really it really demonstrates a lack of UX maturity. Uh, so I know when I see something like that, and I I, I let people know. Uh, uh, you want to be careful with that or go into the situation and be sure to ask questions about that because knowing or not knowing Sketch should not be a determining factor in whether or not to hire somebody. Uh, if somebody is saying you've got to know Adobe After Effects or or you know th- these are the people that we really want, you've got to ask yourself, is that really a UX job or is it a glorified visual designer job? So So let's make sure that we understand that today. But all of these things will help us when we have these things in mind. This set of knowledge that i provided for you today will help you to demystify UX design tools and ascribe the proper level of value. All right, folks, that's it. Thanks for tuning in today. Thanks for listening to the World of UX podcast. This is Darren Hood signing off. Happy UXing everybody.